Hi everyone, it's Kami Jace. For the month of June, I'll be running ads specific to the LGBTQ creators out there in the world, and I need your help finding more of them. If you know any artist, podcaster, streamer, or otherwise content creator, have them send their promo to me at my email address, kamijacegaming at gmail.com. That's kamijacegaming at gmail.com. Or have them email me a script to that same email, and I'll happily read it for them. Again, that's kamijacegaming at gmail.com. And thanks. Get ready. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to the Weekly Cooldown. I am Kami Jace, your host. And I'm Paul Henderson, your semi-regular guestish co-host. And if you are joining us for the first time, this is the show where we get to know the gaming news of the week and we get to know our guest. It is episode 157 of the Weekly Cooldown. It is June 10th. And it is goddamn hot in Austin right now. Uh, I don't know if you know, for the past, like five days the weather has been like 100 plus highs and according to google right now uh saturday and sunday are going to have highs of 105 and 106 and we are having highs at or above 100 through at least next thursday which is um so (laughs) to uh peel the curtain back a little bit we record these the day before they go out so this is the ninth right now um for at least the next week it is going to be 100 degrees or higher during the day. I am so sorry. I am in hell. Maybe literally. I'm do not have, sure. Do you have an air conditioner? We do have central we have central cooling, so that's okay. fine. Uh, yeah, and according to the 10-day forecast on my phone, it's going through next Saturday. Oh, my God. Stay cool, Texans. I will. Stay absolutely cool. I will Every, do my best. Everyone in Texas, including... Paul Henderson. Um, <laughs> so it is June, um, which means that it's the gay month, which means that instead of doing our usual thing, we are actually inviting gay, trans, bisexual, all the colors of the rainbow onto the show um, to talk about queer issues, queer gaming spaces, and everything else in between. What was he said, Jace? We're not going to hear a straight voice on this podcast for for the the whole month. I'm glad I figured my shit out. You did, you did. We're not going to hear a straight straight person on this podcast. No straight people. Or or at least somebody. You're not going to hear anybody who is not LGBT, and thankfully I sorted my shit out last year, Mm -hmm, so I qualify mm -hmm. now. Yes, I got I got my I got my membership card. Great. We're so excited to have I remember you. talking about how I sent over Soul Bad Guy last year. Oh yeah. That was a cuz that was pretty shortly after simple, I came out. Simple character. Yeah, absolutely. That simple, chest. Bull. Mm. Simple simple simply mm. simple bull. That shitty rat tail? <laughs> Soul Bad Guy could have better hair, you're right. He absolutely but, could and he chooses not to. It's a choice. But, you know, from the hairline down, he's all right. He's doing all right. Uh, so yeah, we're gonna have, um, some pretty frank discre- uh, discussions, um, maybe some fun discussions and so on and so forth. Um, there's a car. It's a loud one. 
And joining us for this week, um, we have a friend who I'm going to allow to uh, introduce themselves. All right. Well, I'm Marty. Uh, some of you know me as Martin Adler on Final Fantasy XIV. I say that like I have any cloud. I haven't played this game in months. Uh, <laughs> I used to run some Final Fantasy communities. I'm kind of retired from that now. Um, I gotta say, I'm a Leo White Fang uh, stan myself. <gasps> Hell yeah! Oh, no. I can't play Guilty Gear to save my life. Go. I can't I'm play it to man, save my so life without me. like the setting where it auto combos for you i suck at fighting games but uh, boy do i love guilty gears you, animations you play stylish in exard and you push the funny buttons to make the combos happen i, I hit the buttons it. and guys zooms across the screen yes um exactly exactly so yeah retired oh <laughs> retired's a funny word because it sounds like i'm like you know old oh god i'm turning 30 soon and old um and now that i am not really doing stuff in the final fantasy zone i do a lot of dungeon mastering and doing some volunteering for lgbt organizations in my home state of maryland we're like the texas of the east coast like we have the same sort of level of (laughs) unrealistic and irrational statriotism as texans do except we're like way smaller I love Maryland. <laughs> I do too. Maryland's a great It's contractually um, obligated when you live here. <laughs> to, lo- to just love it and to be, love and Maryland. Be, and, and be slightly jingoistic. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, it's the same in Texas. Exactly. You to get lo- it. Love Texas. Yeah. But also be but also slightly fun. Yeah. Jingoistic. It's like, well, I mean, listen. I love Texas, but also, fuck, Texas has problems. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'd love to say it. that I live in a like land of milk and honey, but uh, we got the same problems here. Mm-hmm. Uh, we just have our mm-hmm. own rural spaces that we don't talk about. Yeah, pretty much. New York can be scary. That's all I got. Um, it's okay, though. I, I miss guess. New York City, man. I spent a week there. there Come like, on four down. Days there, and I want to go back already. I miss Come the on down. We've got wait, like New York or New York buildings. City. So York I State. live um, in the capital district, which is like Albany, where the 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 head honchos go to work. Um, but I am from New York City, so I know it quite well. Um, and we are always glad to have you here. At least I say so. Um, so. Marty, thank you for joining us for this episode. Um, we're going to have some discussions around being trans, um, something that I don't know anything about, but hopefully you can educate me and the listener. Oh, yeah. I totally um, forgot to likewise. say that. Hi, I'm trans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Um, and Paul, maybe you can um, uh, uh, jump in as well as uh, a non-binary yeah. bi- friend. I'm, I'm, I've got a few different. Uh, uh, I've got a few of the different uh, LGBT letters rolling mm-hmm. around in there somewhere. Uh, I, uh, my pronouns preferred are he, they. I don't consider myself trans, which is something that I feel like I need to point out. There's, there's, there's a there's a concept to the la- the label of transness, which I think is a very personal 
intentional statement to make. It's, it's, it's not something that I've heard very common, but I do know some people who are not their assigned gender at birth that don't necessarily consider themselves trans. Hmm. And there's there's some complex discussion about how it feels to identify around that. And that's not something I'm qualified to get into, but at least for me personally, I don't consider myself trans, although I am a non-binary guy, because at least for me, although my gender expression or my my the, the way I perceive my gender isn't in line with gender standards, I guess, I also don't feel like my gender necessarily unaligns or is different necessarily from how I present myself. Mm -hmm. This is a complex thing that it I is. haven't really voiced too much. I've talked about it a little bit on Twitter, but yeah, basically I consider myself a non-binary male and for the for the most part, my my mental perception of myself sort of shifts. I mean, I guess there's more of a fluidity to it if I really wanted to try and nail it down. But because of that, I don't consider myself trans, but I do consider myself non-binary, if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's totally we're gonna awesome. Get into. Yeah, we're gonna get into a whole. I'm also hilariously pansexual. <laughs> <laughs> hilariously pan. Should uh, start a new Tumblr, hilariouslypan.tumblr.com. Oh god, that's, that's quick. A good someone coined that. Um, I mean, it is in my it is in my professional work Twitter right now. My oh. my work Twitter profile name for the month of of June is Paul Pansexual Henderson. Excellent. We wouldn't want anything else. No. Um, but we are going to get into kind of the kind of humanness, right, of being a gamer online and being an LGBT gamer online, right? We we often I think talk about gamers quote unquote in kind of a negative way right um we Capital use G the derogatory correct <laughs> um not part of the lgbt but they are no um <laughs> but um i think we we tend to kind of forget right even for the worst of us that there are people on the other side of that screen so what i really wanted to do for this episode and then we'll talk of course about some uh, actual video game things that happened today um is kind of dig into the humanness of being gay trans non-binary pansexual um while gaming and while being on the internet and what it feels like the good and the bad and the ugly um before we begin marty have you been playing anything this week what are you playing so I did research for this because yeah. I oh, was boy. anticipating and coming to realization when you asked me, you know, what are some good trans representation? I said, oh, God, what is some good trans representation? So <laughs> I cracked open at 5 a.m. when I couldn't sleep this morning. Tell me why. And I've got some initial opinions mm. on it, um, but it's a story about a trans male protagonist and his twin sibling. Uh, done by the same people that did Life is Strange and Life is Strange 2. Mm -hmm. Outside of that, I gotta say, I've been taking a break from Final Fantasy now that I don't have to raid, and therefore do not have a schedule to keep me tethered to Final <laughs> Fantasy. So I've been playing a whole lot of House Flipper. <laughs> I, I really love... Oh, really? designing simu i love simulation games uh it's my guilty pleasure is just playing sims playing games where i get to create things i've stardew valley is a thing i love um yeah 
And then to the other extreme, uh, as a compromise with friends who love me and love being around me, but want to play something more action-packed. We've been playing a lot of Project Zomboid lately. Uh, so nice. they go out and kill things, and I make cool bases. And sometimes Excellent. kill things. As it should be. So, Marty, I need to tell you something. Yeah. As far as I can tell from the episodes that I've been on and the episodes that I've been listening to, you're the first guest we've had in, like, two months that actually had a video game to say. Yeah, that, that's a little true. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm not roasting our, our past uh, guests. I just think it's very entertaining. You know, I mean... Actual games. I do play a lot of tabletop games, not as many as uh, some of your previous guests. Uh, I won't sure. name names of people whose names start with J and end with Ood. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah. But, like, my weekends are very full of TTRPG games. If I'm not running one on Friday, actually, this week, last week is when I normally run my game. It's a bi weekly D&D game set in Theros, mm -hmm. which is the Greek fantasy Magic the Gathering setting. So it's kind of an Odyssey oh, sort of nice. adventure where the party started off yeah. shipwrecked and now have to find their way home. Uh, but Ooh. this week is LGBT D&D &D night at the Frederick nice. Center, one of the only active LGBT organizations in Maryland, which was a really like disheartening thing to find out. They all kind of got swallowed up by COVID-19 and the Frederick Center is the only one left. So I'll be <laughs> driving an hour away to my hometown to run a one-shot for either some young adults or some teenagers. And we're looking at a story about a snake oil salesman gnome whose potions are a little more powerful than he thinks. Who? Very interesting. And I just looked up Tell Me Why out of curiosity since you brought it up. It is currently free on Steam. Yes, it is. Yes, just it is free during free. Pride Month. I got it last year and then didn't touch it at all. Partly because I often forget that I do sometimes enjoy story games. And partly I was a little on the fence about it. You know, there's always that sort of fear when the protagonist is your flavor of minority. It's like, are they going to do it right? Or are they going to do something yep. awful with them? And I had heard like a lot of bad things from friends who played or knew about Life is Strange 2 and like how they treated the... Latina characters on that. So uh, I was yeah. really apprehensive about Tell Me Why, but I've... I'll, I'll talk about it more when we get to recommendations, I guess. Um, sure. It's been reasonably good, but it's definitely a heavy story. Sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Paul, what are you playing? Uh... God, I've still been playing Magic the Gathering Arena. That's been my big focus still. Um, I've actually been trying to play more paper magic um, with basically whoever will have me. <laughs> I um I haven't really had a chance to like get down to like game stores and like get more involved with the the Austin magic community at large. So I've been playing with like um a, a couple coworkers. Um I've been trying to rope my girlfriend into playing some. <laughs> uh went to a uh, housewarming party and we played some commander there, so that was pretty fun. Uh yeah, that's that's honestly I I'm I'm hesitant to. Well, no, I, I shouldn't be hesitant. Fuck it. it. It's 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 kind of becoming an outright hyperfixation at this point, which I've I'm honestly kind of embracing because 
I've been trying to play Magic off and on more or less for like the past like mm-hmm. ten years, I think. Yep. And it's like I really I, I almost got really into it back in twenty fifteen and then I basically didn't have any money, I wasn't able to play it, and I got really, really busy, and then like cancer happened. Mm. And um and so this has been my first opportunity where I've like I've had a stable job, money hasn't been super, super tight, it's been kinda tight, but not terrible. And so I've been able to actually like buy cards and go out and play games and it's been really fun i've still been playing magic arena of course that's been most of my game time but it's just been nice to finally really really heavily sink my teeth into magic in a way that actually feels like i'm getting something out of it okay important question what color combo yes uh god depends on the week um <laughs> right now i'm Every super um, in, at least on arena there's a really um aggressive boros deck that's kind of taking everything over right now and so i've been playing a lot of that um i kind of want to make mono blue mill because i'm a monster and i hate fun <laughs> oh my god i was about there's to a, tell you a... you could stay and then you mentioned blue <laughs> Yeah, no, no, no. There's um, there's a really fun um set of cards in the standard format right now, including um, there's there's a crab that has a landfall effect, which makes your opponent mill three cards, and yes. um, there's a card called Tasha's hideous laughter, which you may recognize from D and D, which yep. makes your opponent mill until they've milled twenty converted mana cost worth of cards. <laughs> which means if you're playing against somebody with an aggro deck, they're milling like. 30 cards <laughs> you know the nice thing for me is that i play a golgari like graveyard play deck so every time oh, nice. i go up against that blue deck in magic the gathering i'm like all right all right see how that works out for you oh you want to put my <laughs> stuff in the graveyard huh yeah nice. you want to put cool you want to give me a free shopping list to work from absolutely all right, well, anyway uh here's my here's my turn four 12 12 have fun <laughs> I got beat really bad by a solo or a, a mono blue mill deck, and it Why made me it made me really upset because I was <laughs> like, "This is how we're gonna play this game." Here I am, like you have five health left, and I just can't do anything because I keep having to discard my cards. I don't think there is a more helpless feeling in Magic than playing against a control deck and not being prepared for it. It is awful. You play against a control deck, and it's either they're either mill, or they're just straight up control grind out, and it's just like, counterspell. Counterspell. Defender. Wall. Counterspell. Counterspell. Mill three. Counterspell. Oh, what's that? You played a 40-minute game where you got to do nothing? Cool. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got stuck I, in a 20-minute game against a mono-black deck where the person only put in removal cards. They didn't have anything else I've in their deck. I've heard about I'm that sitting in arena, here like, yeah. what was the strategy? What was the point? Were you hoping I'd surrender out of frustration? I've I've heard about that. Like, there's, there's like a 56-card mono-black deck where literally all you do is you put removal in it and you don't have a win con. Your win con is literally keep removing your opponent's stuff until they deck out. Mm. Well, they it's failed. Vicious. <laughs> I lived. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, as a result of this, I've been watching a lot of Loading Ready Run and just like consuming a lot of Magic the Gathering media in general. So the uh, the dive has gone deep, deep indeed. I believe it. I believe it. Aside from that, I played Fortnite for the first time in a long time the other day. Did you do no build? Yeah, it was no build. It, God, no build's really fucking fun. I Is, I like no build a lot. I made this 
comment when we spoke about it, I think. But yeah. isn't it just a battle royale then? Well, it is, of course. <laughs> yeah. Isn't it just, you're just yeah. shooting. I mean, yeah, of course it is. It's just PUBG. <laughs> it's just, it's, it's PUBG, but with a better art style and more fun. You know what? That's valid. You're right. You're right. They like. um they did increase the movement capabilities of characters a little bit for for zero build so hmm. there's a like there's like a sprint that has a stamina meter attached to it and also there's like a mantle so you can climb a little bit better hmm. but yeah I mean the oh the other thing is the environments are still destructible so there's still that ah yeah. okay so it's, it's, it's zero build but not zero destruction so there's I, still that, an aspect that could be of fun it. I yeah. can see it's still like if you hide out in a house like somebody can shoot it out. Hmm, interesting. I'm not going to play it. I have been playing V Rising. Oh, um, uh, yeah. I am on a friend server. I've built two castles. One of them is the max level, and I'm about to Ooh. make some more rooms and make it real pretty. Um, I like to build real cool bases, too, sometimes. Um, I'm upset that there aren't more, like, levels I can build to my castle, but, you know, we'll get there, maybe, hopefully. Um... I'm also starting a D&D campaign next week. Okay. Nice. So. <laughs> Moving on. One that you're playing. Yes, you can learn about you're... my. I am playing and I'm not, I can't, I can probably DM, but I'm not gonna for a while. Um, I'm going to take my time really get Understood. to know other people's styles and maybe find another game to play on my weeks off where I'm not playing. Cause all of my games are bi-weekly. So I need, I need to fill the void. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, if you want to read about the exploits of my half orc crash or my new friend who I made, uh, not in a rush, I spent a lot of time on him and also I got art from him from a very cool friend. Um, his name is Artem. Um, if you want to read about any of their exploits, uh, tweet or follow me at Comedy Gaming because I do live tweets <laughs> every Tuesday and Wednesday bi-weekly. Um, and it's a lot of fun. Okay, so now that we've got the what, what have you been playing out of the way, it's time to have this more serious discussion. Mm. So, again, we are trying to have a larger discussion about being trans online um, and overall in gaming spaces, how it relates or doesn't relate to being trans in reality um, and so on and so forth. So, uh, Marty, if you don't mind answering a few questions... We will get started. Um, I'll do my best. Alrighty. Um, and of course, Paul, feel free to like punch it up. I'm um, sure I'll figure out something to say. Excellent. <laughs> so first, um, just sharing your experience of being trans online and in gaming spaces um, as much as you're comfortable with. Um, I personally would love to know what that experience has been like. And I'm sure there are some folks who might be able to relate. Yeah, so I think I'd kind of like to roll back a little bit to the beginning because I don't think you can really explain what it's like being trans without kind of explaining what it's like not realizing you're trans and or like being in mm. the closet in mm -hmm. gaming sure. spaces. Because I think I really only came out a handful of years ago, uh, like right before the pandemic. I gotta say, transitioning in a pandemic is great. Because you just disappear mm -hmm. for two years, nobody sees you, and you come back and you're like, I'm a man, I've got facial hair now, and they're just like, oh, okay. 
what are they gonna do you just gotta roll with it yeah Yeah. it's like you can't really it just kind of steamrolls through people and like they don't really have a rebuttal to it it's great (laughs) it's 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 sort of the social equivalent of like you don't see somebody from high school in a really long time and like they've either gained or lost a bunch of weight and you're just like you're just different from the person that i knew you as those all those years ago Mm -hmm. and instead of it being like a gradual like having to reckon with somebody changing over a period of time it's just sort of like you're just you just sort of have to accept this new reality forced to accept this if that makes sense it's not not to imply that 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 transitioning is like the same as gaining or losing weight it's just like the the physical change of a person going through a process like that sort of just hitting you all at once Mm -hmm. it's like you you can't just be like well wait a minute hold on last week Did they have a little bit of mustache last week? Did you have you put on a few pounds? Was it's, it's it's there's no there's no beating around the bush at the very least. Mm-hmm. Uh, abs. Honestly, I'll be real. My ten year high school anniversary is coming up in like conservative rural Maryland, and I'm just sitting here like, boy, if I go, I can't wait to see like the faces on people. Just like <laughs> the, yeah. I can't wait. To make everyone uncomfortable. Not not like that, but like I just can't wait. Just yeah, you all sure. you all like, okay, you got a great job, you have kids. Guess what I did? Y'all won't believe <laughs> what I did. Be careful who you call ugly guess. in middle school, because now he's got muscles. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm skipping my ten year anniversary. I decided I'm not going. <laughs> Little, little too rural Texas for me, unfortunately. Great decision. Yeah, I don't regret it in the slightest. But yeah, so I'm like, sorry, what were you about to say? No, yeah, go ahead. I guess kind of rewinding back a decade to rural Maryland, growing up, you know, the gaming and nerd experience I grew up around was very focused on being on like the straight white male gamer like gamer parentheses derogatory and as someone who was born and raised and treated as a girl growing up um boy is there a lot of misogyny and there's this pressure of like you have to prove your worth to people like everyone's smugly looking down on you uh whether it was doing like D D with people I knew from high school or whether it was in like World of Warcraft, there's like that contempt of like, oh, you're a girl and you're immediately devalued. And so I feel like a lot of my experience pre coming out and kind of coming to accept myself was this struggle to prove my value and prove that I had like a right to be in spaces to people. And that continued really until I got into some very queer affirming spaces. Um, I was going through a pretty rough time in like 2018 or 2019 where I ended up leaving a guild or FC, whatever they're called in Final Fantasy, that was mm-hmm. really not a healthy place to be in and moved into a very mm-hmm. LGBT-friendly, uh, predominantly queer community. I wasn't perfect, but it was very welcoming and inclusive. And the same time I had started playing Cyberpunk 2020 with ah. a group of exclusively queer and bi POC people I knew from college. 
And the shift mm. from going to a straight, white, very heteronormative, very misogynistic space to and very homophobic space to welcoming and affirming spaces basically just kind of rocket launched me into coming out. <laughs> I distinctly remember... <laughs> so I think one thing to think about when you think about trans people online is that being on the internet or in an online gaming space or whatever is like you can present yourself however you want to people. You have a chance mm -hmm. to make yourself into the image you want people to see of you. God bless internet anonymity. I almost said anemone. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> God and bless internet anemone. Uh, uh, <laughs> but it is, for many people, the first place where they can play with their gender identity or their sexuality without fear of repercussion, fear yeah. of stigma. And often you don't realize you're doing it. Um, for me, it was like, uh, I joked on Twitter the other day that the trans egg experience, the before coming out experiences just like oh gee why do i have all these characters of a gender that i'm not seen as in real life it's like oh i have dozens upon dozens of male characters every single character i play in mmos or tabletop games is male i just think they're neat i guess and then eventually you kind of like hit a critical <laughs> mass where you have so many you start to question it um i've heard that from a lot of trans people but, like, the tipping point, I think, was getting into voice chat for the first time in my free company, Agents. Yeah. And that's a nerve-wracking experience when, at the time, I subconsciously was like, I always dreaded getting into voice chat because before I get into voice, people would hear me, would see me as a man, and then the moment they hear my voice, there's this, like, rapid downhill spiral in respect for me from, like... Oof. I, I remember this very clearly in World of Warcraft because this was like literally the conversation I had with one of my arena's partners was like, dang, you're mm -hmm. like a really competent holy paladin to why is there a 12 year old in our guild to, oh, Oof. you're a girl and you're going to be legal in a few months. Oh. And so just, uh, just... <laughs> ah! so that's the ah! we got to the ugly part. Yeah. So yeah, there's yeah. just the really ugly part. I hit that with dread going into this voice chat. I spoke up. And I'm talking a really high voice like this, and I'm amazed I can still do this. And there, and a player says to me, "Oh, okay, Marty. Uh, what are your pronouns? Like, how do you want us to refer to you?" And I was so surprised, I kind of just put, oh, yeah, she, her is fine. Um, and I went oh. to bed angry at myself. Mm. I was angry for a week at myself of why did I say she, her when I could have said he, him? And then yeah. why did I, why do I want to be called he, him? And then going to that person like, hey, why do I feel this way? And they said, you know, we have other trans people in this group. Do you want to talk to them? And talking to them and Ooh. hearing... Yeah, no, what you're, what you're saying and experiencing sounds a lot like what I went through. I spent, like, so many hours talking to one of my friends, Tiergen, um, Bashir. So this is their second uh, shout-out in, like, two second weeks. Second shout-out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tiergen Squared. Uh, I spent just hours talking to them about, you know, our own experiences. And then got hit with a sort of... Lovely. Yeah. 
it was kind of like a pendulum swing, uh, violently going from, I'm trans, I know what I am, this is great, to soul-crushing grief of, I'm trans, and I have so much built-up internalized transphobia uh, from mm. the internet and from my upbringing that this is soul-crushing and I'm never going to have a positive experience in my life. Um, yeah. And really, 20, early 2019 me he could not possibly fathom me sitting here talking to you guys about this in a happy way. Yeah. So right. you know what? In a good way. <laughs> good for him. Good for him. He made it. Um, mm-hmm. Man, so yeah, that's, that's kind of where my story goes with that. There's like a like a, a intersectional relatability happening with me right now um, because for a long time I was uh, if you didn't see pictures of me apparently most people thought I was white um, and yes and <laughs> it is largely because when I would enter voice chats they would just assume based on the way that I was speaking uh, okay. that I was white I guess. Um, so so you know because I wasn't like hamming it up real hood style right oh yes the the respectable well-spoken black man the, doesn't sound one of the good ones one of the good <laughs> ones yeah yes. that's the vibe um so yeah. you know it wasn't until or maybe it was before but i do distinctly remember having someone like jokingly but not so jokingly use the n-word in mixed Oof. conversation and me being like um hello yeah <laughs> like did you did you not know or did or were you trying you know what i mean mm-hmm. um and to to know that like or to to feel that in your story again right um the same kind of like confusion not uh, uh, not about gender but clearly about identity mm-hmm. um and how to present and if you should present um is both like a, a a like a comforting kind of pain <laughs> if that makes sense no absolutely i mean i'll be real part of the reason i've started listening to your uh po- i started listening to your podcast back during black history month i remember hearing stories of and like having that same sort of like just clutching like damn it's really like it's similar but legally mm-hmm. distinct you know right <laughs> frustrating but it feels feels at home Mm -hmm. but yeah i really think you know i'm trying to think of how to word this in a way that doesn't have me spiraling into like a philosophy ramble take your time okay (laughs) a few philosophy rambles on this oh i mean i i I have i have a philosophy ramble prepared but like we'll get to it at some point um okay okay there's this sort of like pressure when you're in a space where like the dominant culture identity is like straight white cis male person where like a pecking order sort of forms where people have Mm. to assert their sort of superiority over you and like sort of assert this hierarchy of like that is the most important thing in this room and then like there are tiers going down of levels of respectability the further you stray from that norm. And I can get into, like, a philosophy rant about that at some point, but, like, ugh, getting out of a space like that and then into queer spaces was a life-changing experience and made me a lot less angry at, like, yeah, the world and people around me. 
something interesting that happened to me um, through my whole life, kind of, like, even as a child. Um, I didn't really become queer and seek out queer spaces so much as my spaces kind of became queer around mm -hmm. me, which was... <laughs> A wild thing to experience um until i was like 26 i was like the token cishet in like all my groups basically um like okay to, to give you the timeline <laughs> my parents my it's mom and my exciting. dad it's 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 a i'm not kidding when i say it's a long riveting it's a, tale. it's a long tale um a, a long timeline my mom and my dad broke up when i was six and my mom came out as a lesbian when i was eight <laughs> So when I say my spaces became queer around me, <laughs> my spaces became queer around mm -hmm. me starting around like 2001. My mom came out as a lesbian. She got a partner. Her partner moved in with us like when I was like 14 and I had two moms for my adolescence and teenage years. Um, the online spaces I was in when we started were mostly straight and then other people in my friend groups discovered their queerness around us, around me. And it wasn't until I was 26 and I had developed a crush on somebody that was in a group that I was in. It was a man. And I was like, but I'm not gay though. <laughs> I like women a lot. <laughs> and I was talking to one of my friends about it. And I was like, I was talking to my friend. I'm going to actually say it was my friend, Ryan Hoyle. Um, yeah. Friend of the show. Friend of the show. And Ryan's like, dude, that's the internalized homophobia. And I'm like, hold on. <laughs> Wait a minute. How can I have internalized homophobia? And he was like, dude, <laughs> Get to, I... get to know yourself a little bit better and then the moment he said that i was like all right and i was like okay i'm pansexual fine you've you've, you've solved here me. it is and that was it like it, was, it wasn't even that like big of a revelation it was more of a just a okay this may as well happen <laughs> like my spaces had been coming been becoming queer around me for like 20 years and the ultimate result of it was no, maybe the spaces weren't becoming queer around you. Maybe you were queer the whole time and you were just too fucking stupid to see it. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, can't... after I figured that out, it was... Hmm? Go for it, go for it. Continue. After I figured that out, it was like, it was the dominoes fell over all at once. It was like, I went <laughs> yeah. from being the cis... I went from being the cishet to being pansexual, polyamorous, non-binary. It was like... I, I figured out, I learned a lot of stuff about myself in a real short period of time, and it wasn't a surprise, it wasn't a shocking revelation, it was more of a putting labels to things that I had inherently known about myself for, like, since I was a kid, basically. Mm -hmm. Oh, absolutely. I wanted to say, like, don't beat yourself up on it, because it's like, you can't define yourself if you don't even know the word for it. Right. And the thing is, I, 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 I knew these things, like, I knew what they were, I knew the words for them, I just didn't think to turn them inward, you know? Mm hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I, it kind of like, took Ryan just like magnifying glass. <laughs> he kind of just bitch slapped me into it. He was just like, hey, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> very good. Very, very good. Now, um, you've given us like a, a plethora of things to think about. Um, but I also wanted to kind of, um, if you haven't really um touch on it already how how does that experience right the experience of the ugly part of being online being trans and then the better part of it differ from your experience in reality in meat space as some call it yeah so i think um 
a big thing for me was that you know the online space was one of the first places I came out in and experimented with my identity. Like I went to Jude and was just like, "Hey, I think I tra- I'm trans," and got like a wonderful like "I'm so happy and proud of you" response. I I could scroll through my DMs, but I think it'd be like a ways back in there. Um, mm-hmm. But like I said, like when you're online, you have the option of anonymity where the only face you present to your to other people is whatever persona you show it's funny i had someone um contact me asking for advice about their transgender daughter they were looking for some recommendations in the area and i basically put myself out as a resource of like you know if you need to talk or you need advice or you want to talk about like your experience either as a parent partner or you know a trans person yourself i'm an open door and she mentioned offhandedly that her daughter really only had online friends and was always playing games. Like I said, mm-hmm. what kind of games? And she said, role-playing games. I'm like, okay, all right. Is it World of Warcraft, Elder Scrolls, or Final Fantasy XIV? She said, Elder Scrolls Online, how did you know? Because uh, <laughs> like, it's the a safe three. place where you could be whatever you want to be. Uh, conversely, face-to-face, mm-hmm. being transgender is like living in a fishbowl. Um, because... Uh-huh gender identity is so linked to how you express it it's a very visual thing and so it's not something that you really have the option to bottle up or hide um Mm -hmm. without just completely denying it entirely uh when you're the lg or the b like you can be discreet when you need to and when it's safe for you you don't have to disclose to people who your partner is um you don't have to disclose your sexuality to anyone. But when you are trans, unless you... I hate the term passing, but uh, it's the word for it. Unless you are perceived as a cisgender person, I, of either spectrum, either you don't present yourself as your gender identity and you present the way you were told to growing up, or vice versa, mm-hmm. you present as your gender identity and you do it so well that cis people don't question it um people notice and people look at you and people have questions or judgments uh it's i'm really lucky that i'm in a space that i have really carefully cultivated for myself that is very affirming um and it took a while to get here it took a year of building networks of support before I came out kind of half-assed at work, and then people didn't really take it seriously and I, until I came out whole-assed and really enforced it. Ah, and now sure. it's a, a for, people are really supportive. Also, uh, the people who had problems with it are gone now. That's the other thing. Hell yeah. That always yeah, helps. You love Hell to see it. Hell yeah, you do. But it's... You don't have to choose battles when you are in an online space, you can disengage from Mm -hmm. them. Whereas when you are living in the meat space, (laughs) you every day when you're early on to when you haven't built that, like when you haven't carved out a space for yourself feels like a battle and it feels exhausting. Yeah, absolutely. Interestingly, on the flip side of that, as a non-binary person who does not consider themselves to be trans, I feel pretty unseen a lot of the time 
as mm-hmm. a non-binary guy. Um, I feel like there is a general assumption and treatment of non-binary people and this is something i've seen talked about a lot and i've (laughs) i've experienced it to a lesser degree is that non-binary is kind of treated as girl light Mm -hmm. which is yeah it's 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 something that i've never been super happy about and i mean non-binary people that are also generally not happy about it besides me um my gender presentation unfortunately happens to be very similar to how a cis person a cis male would present themselves in Mm -hmm. that uh i mean other than my long hair which i do consider to be a relatively more gender neutral thing if you really want to start quantifying how different visual aspects of a person can can hint towards gender um other than my long hair like i've got a giant beard i'm kind of a bulkier dude um got a fairly low voice i mean a a voice that at least in my ear i would consider to be a higher masculine voice so there aren't really aspects of myself that clue people in that i'm non-binary to any degree and it's almost gotten to the point where i want to stop referring to myself as demigender just to just to make a point Mm. that's not how i perceive myself and it's it would be disingenuous to myself to present myself as somebody who is fully non-binary but there's there's an aspect of that where i wish i felt like i knew more ways to present myself in a way that doesn't that tells the whole story of what i am if that makes sense yeah no it makes perfect sense that's something I'm still working on. Yeah, no. Sometimes the, the urge big... to lose the beard. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my big struggle when, like, when coming out at work was what I called half-assed coming out wasn't really that so much as I was in this in-between stage where, yeah, my end goal was to transition to male. If I didn't feel comfortable sure. identifying at, with he, him pronouns at the time or with a different name. Uh, again, still working through that sort of internalized transphobia. So I was like, well, for yeah. now, what feels like it fits is they, them pronouns. And up until recently, like the average, like the average age in my office was like in their 50s, 60s. And like people ah. just, the yeah. inter- the eye-opening thing was when I came out, I went into our HR office. I sat down, I looked our HR officer in the eye and said, okay, so we have the LG and the B. Do you want to hit bingo? Uh, with and get the <laughs> office, um, but the lesbian and gay. What an opening line! It was a great <laughs> opening line. Um, but like the lesbian, gay, and bisexual members of our office who were older than me, flat out said to my face, "I don't get the they them thing. I don't get why you guys use mm-hmm. this. I don't know why this has to be a thing." And they've grown from it, but that was so painful to hear oh, yeah. early yeah. on as I was progressing through this transition. I've heard it uh, myself from a few folks at uh, previous jobs who, you know, are otherwise fairly open-minded, but mm-hmm. had some very, like, closed-minded ideas just about how English works. And I was like... um, I've literally heard you use they for like a person before. So can you relax? But anyways, (laughs) I, um, it is always interesting 
how people start out, right? And then how they kind of grow out of it mm-hmm. later, you know? Um, <laughs> I, I'm glad... grow out of it? Yeah, hopefully. Um, I'm glad to hear that, um, for the most part, the folks were able to um, get over it, <laughs> to, to put it uh, simply mm-hmm. and pointedly. Um, I, well, they're still learning because we now have two non-binary staff members and we had to correct mm. someone at staff meeting who couldn't seem to figure that out but he's also retiring in a matter of months so you know what ah. hopefully the, the guillotine is lowering oh, <laughs> <laughs> you know what that's that's perfect um <laughs> this is going to be i can tell a long episode so we're going to take a quick break uh get some some friends to say what cool things they're making and we'll be right back with more show do you play a video or tabletop game with an original character and are looking for custom art to portray them just as you imagine hi i'm ray and i want to draw for you please check out raytrayart.com that's r-a-y-t-r-a-y art.com to check out my work and see my pricing. I do portraits, action scenes, and detailed character sheets. Safe for work and not safe for work images accepted. Again, that's raytrayart.com. I look forward to putting your vision to print. Diane, this is Agent Delaney. We finished investigating the howling waller beast of Bog Valley. Its venom sacs were paralytic, but it was a wonderful kisser. Diane, Agent Bishop thinks that psychic from Montana who tried to take over my body might have damaged the part of my brain that perceives time. Now I'm not sure if it's lunchtime or Tuesday. Diane, I've been watching that new show Friends very closely and have determined that I might be a Phoebe. Agent Bishop is definitely a Monica. And Ross is a parasitic blood demon that the gang should exercise immediately for their own safety. Uh, who are you talking to? Don't worry about it, Monica. You are aware there's no tape in that recorder, right? No. No, I took it out earlier, like- Why are you touching my things? It was a full tape. You've been doing this all day. What exactly are you doing, anyways? I was just telling Diane about The Weird, an actual play audio drama that you can listen to at jointheweird.com or wherever you get your podcasts. So we're doing a meta thing then. Okay, cool. I see see what it is. I'm going to go back to paperwork. Yes, you do that. Such a Monica. Diane, I thought the goat man skull I keep in the office had started whispering. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to the show. So, we've got a little bit more uh, discussion to have, and then we're going to talk about, um, well, maybe we'll, like, fan, fan them. Fan, hmm, Hmm? fan, I don't want to say, fan, fan boy. Let's just all say we're 
fanboying. <laughs> We're all fanning. Fan, fanning about Summer Game Fest and Devolver Digital. Um, but first, of course, back to our discussion. Um, Marty, would you be willing to share how folks might be able to do better in the online gaming space um, with regards to transfolk? You know, I think a recurring thing that's really stuck out to me in this conversation is us kind of talking about sort of the expectation we felt, whether it was race related or gender identity, identity related Mm -hmm. or sexuality related to having to like conform to some sort of expectation put upon them. Uh, and sort of kind of perform to standard until and like the sort of thing I kind of want to get at is this idea that you know if you want to make a more inclusive space a thing an easy thing I say easy it's a simple thing it's not an easy thing that all of us need to do is just sort of give up on our expectations of how people what the right way is to participate in experience or present oneself in gaming and nerd culture. Mm -hmm. And like, I mean, the thing that just keeps sticking out to me is that I mentioned it sort of briefly is that there's this idea that like in gaming culture and just in culture in general, there's like society sort of sets a standard of expectation of this is what's normal and everything else is inferior Mm -hmm. and likes to put people into boxes. And this is where I'm going to get dangerously philosophy to be, uh, <laughs> and a friend of mine um, kind of talked to me about this, introduced me to this concept of queer theory. It's this idea that humans always feel this need to sort of categorize and explain the world around them by creating boxes they can sort people, places, things, animals into taxonomy sort of deal. Mm-hmm. And so we set the standard culturally for what is a norm, and it's the white straight able-bodied cisgender man and then it's like oh you don't fit that okay we got to create a new box for you um whether it's you're not white so you're black you're not male then you're female not straight then you're gay so Mm. on and the issue is that we're one the idea of a normal or a standard for any of these things is impossible to achieve And everyone has a different opinion on what these things mean. And two, you can't create enough boxes to really capture the entire spectrum of human existence. I mean, like we talked earlier about non-binary people that don't see themselves as part of the trans umbrella. That's a thing. The human experience is on this wonderfully diverse spectrum. And you can't, no matter how many times you divide it up, you can't categorize it all. But we really like our categories, right? Uh-huh, yeah. uh-huh. <laughs> so the end result of it is that we're kind of stuck in this cycle where we are constantly trying to scrutinize and judge and measure ourselves up to a standard or whatever our interpretation of is. And we're constantly judging others based off of what we perceive the standard is and whether or not they fit it. And we waste so much energy and emotional bandwidth putting on performances to try and prove we belong. Like some people, it's really easy. Like if you're pretty close, like you fit pretty well, like you're predominantly mask, you're assigned male at birth, you're predominantly masculine in your 
presentation. You do all the masculine stuff. You're white. Like, that's great. You don't really have a whole lot of acting to do. Other mm. people have a lot of acting to do. Mm. Uh, but even that's not really, like, healthy for anyone. Because at the end of the day, we're all, to some extent, trying to live up to expectations we can't reach. And I feel like some of like, the worst experiences I've had in gaming, whether it's on that, like, Mac that like very direct level of the experience of people going from, Oh, you're a really good player to, Oh, like patronizingly you're a kid, but you know, you're all right to, Oh, you're a woman. Mm -hmm. Um, or if it's in like a more passive way, like, I don't know. The thing that comes to mind is like people that get into like the historical realism defense of like racism, misogyny at their D and D games or, yeah, the people that come up with arbitrary like lore excuses for what their interpretation is right in an MMO, like um, Miko, the like thing expansions ago of like Mikote can't be from Alamigo because Alamigo is where ma- masculine muscle men come from, and that's not what Mikote looked like, right. so they can't possibly be from there. Mm-hmm. Or you know, blood elves can't be gay because that got so weird. Um, Which, uh, by the way, side note: if anybody said that, they didn't. They they don't know shit about red mages. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Well, this pre this predated uh, Stormblood a little bit, but I remember like there were people that would get so up in arms, like you can't have a Alamegan cat boy, and then Stormblood came, and they were all like eating their hats. Yeah, it, that still kind of comes back to this sort of like we have an expectation that the worlds that we're, the lore we're going to play in or the things we're going to play in match our heteronormative sort of white view of the world around us. So Mm -hmm. Alamigo has to be all brown muscular people that aren't lithe sort of athletic cat boys or Limsa Lominza has to be whatever. Um, I'm like, man, you didn't get any of the messages of old God at all. (laughs) (laughs) I have shout chat off. And my life's a lot happier for that reason. <laughs> but it's like there's this exhausting sort of thing where we're like trying to prove our worth and show that our perception is right and that we fit in and that we have a right to be here. When like if we just stepped back and realized that this is a game nobody can win and just step mm. away, your life gets so much easier. You can just kind of take a deep breath. I, I just see that like, the playground's big enough for all of us. Yeah. And you don't have to play tag if you don't want to. And while you were so busy trying to make everyone else play tag with you or telling people they couldn't play hopscotch because they needed to play tag instead and tag was the right thing to do, you're missing out on some great games of hide and seek. Mm-hmm. So I think the place we start at is just kind of, if we can let go of our expectations and really kind of think back on like, you know, be open-minded. You don't have to be welcoming everyone with open arms. This could be people that play games in ways that don't mesh with how you play, and that's fine, but they have inherent value and a right to exist as well. You just don't have to interact with them if the way they play is not fun to you. Yep. I feel like that was a long-winded way of saying don't yuck other people's yum. Uh, <laughs> or I mean, whatever the phrase is. Yeah, but... yeah. It works. It works either way. That's why I hang out in Gridania instead, because the elves in there just hit everybody. That's correct. They sure do. Everybody. I just hang out in my house and enjoy 
being part of the 1% in Final Fantasy. Oof. A different discussion. Um, very good. Then. Let's I, talk about I, the housing you know, economy. Oh no, let's not. <laughs> <laughs> it's hot, hot, hot. Um, perfect though. Like, a- a- absolutely good advice for anyone listening to this show and anyone not listening to this show. Quite frankly. Um, <laughs> so, a quick shout out to some trans folks that we love in gaming, gamers, developers, etc. Marty, start us off. So, I love Dimension 20. They are an actual play group. Uh, started out with College Humor. Um, not, I, it's not, it's not an entirely trans group. I'm going to preface that. Mm-hmm. But they have a non-binary player on their group, Ali Beardsley. And their group, their table in general is just very diverse and very fun to listen to. It's very campy. I love games that are campy. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I, I don't know. I find like the, games that take themselves too seriously and or run four hours don't keep my attention but two hours of kind of goofiness with a diverse cast is really fun but it was really meaningful to me to like start listening to their stuff last year while i was doped up on percocet post uh top surgery so i was sitting here listening to these stories and watching uh ali who is also post-top surgery like reach across the table to like shake their fist at someone because they made them laugh so hard that they popped a stitch and I'm just like, that's oh, so relatable no. and it's so nice <laughs> to <Lord>. see people. <laughs> oh I'm sitting here like, hey, I just popped a stitch. That's funny. Same Z's. Beautiful. But yeah, D20's great. Um, they always have a really diverse and fun cast and I highly recommend it if you like a little bit of humor and you like some wild and creative and funny quippy comedians. Mm-hmm. Paul, who do you got? The Marcy goddamn neighbors. Of course. Who else was I going to name? Friend Come of the on. show, Marcy. Friend of the show, my roommate, did Deltarune. Did I don't Deltarune. know. <laughs> <laughs> really? Oh yeah, no. Um. So yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I will talk about it then. I was just gonna I was just gonna do a drive by, but it's yeah. Marcy. So um, Marcy is a sound designer who lives here in Austin, Texas. In fact, is about uh, thirty feet away from me or so in the living room, probably. Um, she, um, has worked on Homestuck music albums. She worked on the, um, Hive Swap game. She did sound design for that and snuck me into the game, which is very funny. And, um, most notably, she helped compose music for Deltarune, um, Attack of the Killer Queen, I believe is the song. Let me make sure I get that right because I'm gonna feel like an asshole if I actually got it <laughs> wrong. I'm pretty sure it was, um, her and Lena Rain. Yeah. Uh, Attack of the Killer Queen by Marcy Neighbors, Lena Rain, and Toby Fox. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's, um, she's also just a really cool person and has been super supportive. We have a band together, Liquid Bewilderment. And, um, yeah, um, I've known her. She's probably one of my oldest friends at this point. I've mm-hmm. been friends with her since, like, oh, God, 2011? 20? No, no, I first met her in 2012. We became friends in 2013. And I've, watched <laughs> i we have we have grown up together and through our young adulthoods into <laughs> careening into our 30s we're both about the same age 28 and um just watching her grow as a person and a talented individual um if you're not following her on twitter by the way at shadolith uh go check her out mm-hmm. 
She's the I best. I can't believe my voice is 30 feet away from someone famous. I've made it big. <laughs> <laughs> Wait till you hear about what I've done with Homestuck. <laughs> oh, boy. Homestuck. What? Oh, that was part of a YouTube series. We, we've been voicing all of Homestuck for like nine years. <laughs> I love it. it. It's a wild ride. It is. It's a wild ride. That's <laughs> how I know most of the people I know I, today. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um uh in in a similar fashion, I would like to shout out uh Jamie Page. Hell yeah. Jamie Page, musician extraordinaire. <laughs> um Jamie Page, I believe is on like their uh music Twitter, I guess, <laughs> at polyromantic. Um, you can follow her there. Um, but also plays a, uh, very creative Final Fantasy character by the name of Paisley Pudge. Um, so you can find her on Final Fantasy as well. Um, Paisley Pudge. Um, JimmyPage.bandcamp.com, by the way. Yes. Yes. Um, I also do want to shout out, um, someone who will get another shout out later in this episode. Um, and who gets a shout out later in every episode. Um, the creator of our, uh, logo and art, Corgian of Doghouse Esports. Doghouse yeah. Corgian is where you can find them on Twitter. Um, great, great, great human. Um, <laughs> before you start autopiloting, we're not at the credits yet. <laughs> no, I know. Yes. Um, I heard it. I heard it. I heard it in your voice. Is Corgian. <laughs> yes, but um, Doghouse Corgian on Twitter. Um, very, very funny person. Very mm-hmm. um, creative. Incredibly, incredibly creative. And does streams like every day um, just doing their art. Yep. Very um, active in the fighting game community. Yes, too. that too. Yes. Um, doing like a lot of things that I wish I could do. Um, maybe someday. Um, and so finally, to kind of round out this part of our conversations, um, any games with good or at least decent trans characters or queer representation? I know. Maybe <laughs> I've, got, one. I've got one just off the top of my head because I also happen to work on it. <laughs> oh. Uh, Hearthstone. Oh, um, of course. Yeah, in the in okay. the last year during the um, whole mercenaries um, book of mercenaries uh, story arc that we launched through the whole of 2021, um, there's a character named Varden Dongrasp who is very explicitly a non-binary trans person, and they are there. Like, I don't think they could have written it any more explicitly than they tried. Like, there's flavor text about how once you've once you've conquered the power of magic, some some binaries just seem completely unnecessary. It's very mm-hmm. cute, and um, yeah, they're honestly I think really good queer rep, like as as good a queer rep as a card game can have with pretty light storytelling. Mm-hmm. Um, they're a joy. <laughs> I just like them. I should also know. Yeah, I, I did say it, but uh, I work on Hearthstone, so uh, if you if you feel there's any bias there, well, little maybe bit. little bit. Um, Marty, what do you got? Well, like I mentioned earlier, um, I'm playing Tell Me Why, and I, 
really like it, hmm. but it's also extremely heavy. I mean, it's so often when you have trans characters, there's either like it's rare to find a trans protagonist, mm-hmm. especially an openly trans protagonist. I mean, like Celeste has like a brief hint that the protagonist is a transgender woman, like you find the trans flag somewhere during the game. But it's rare to have a story that where it's very obvious and it's very open and fixated on it. I, I'm liking it so far, but it's an extremely heavy game to play, and I'm not sure I would recommend it to people who are kind of struggling with their gender identity, because the focus, while it's not like queer bashing the way like Lev gets treated in The Last of Us 2, where the entire their entire arc is about the pain they feel being rejected from their community and getting like, beat up for being trans. Mm-hmm. Um, so far, what I've played of Tell Me Why is a character going back home to their conservative rural town after 10 years away and transitioning. And that hits uh, on a visceral level at points. Um, and it's not always a sunshine and rainbows thing. The dynamic between him and his uh, sister is really great. Uh, but And they handle people reacting to his identity in a way that's not... They don't dead name him. Uh, the name that they use for him in his past is like a very masculine, gender-neutral name. Mm-hmm. And anytime the original name is there, it's like scribbled out so you can't see it and it's never said out loud. Interesting. But like the themes are very difficult <laughs> at times. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, um, I believe I know someone who works on Tell Me Why, or who did work on Tell Me Why, so I'm happy to hear uh, at least that the uh, representation is okay. <laughs> it's, just... it's good. It's good. It's just, it's... It's heavy. Very relatable and sometimes in painful ways. Yep. Uh, I find it cathartic, but if that's not for you... I don't think I would recommend it. Yeah, fair enough. Play it when you're at a space where struggling with and overcoming that is cathartic and not um, traumatizing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so I actually had to kind of dig a little bit um, because I guess I don't pay much attention to people's sexuality or um, gender unless it's like very overt. But I was surprised to um, find out that there are more than just La Diva in Grand Blue. Um, who, oh, yeah. Who are um, trans or otherwise bisexual. Um, so just in Grand Blue Fantasy Versus, which I think is um, a lot of folks uh, kind of entry into Grand Blue uh, as of 2020, um, you've got La Diva, who is a trans woman. Um, Cagli... Ostro, who is a trans woman as well, yeah. um, who, whose um, story I actually love. Um, yeah. It's two very different presentations of what a trans person can be, which yes. I think is is very interesting. I, I didn't... I, I, do you mind if I talk about this a little bit? Because I kind of yeah, love it ahead. too. Um, so, I, I don't play Grand Blue, but I'm familiar with the story specifically of Ladiva and Cagliostro to the degree as it relates to their transness. And so, for anybody who's not familiar with Grand Blue Fantasy, Ladiva is a very masculine-looking wrestler who 
does not in any way present as feminine other than essentially how they talk about how she talks about herself. Yes. And that's, that's not played as a joke. That's mm-hmm. complete. It's completely straight and it's very good actually. Um, I feel like there's a, there's a tendency and understandably so to be very hesitant about trans rep in Japanese media, especially mm-hmm. because a lot of times transness and the concept of cross-dressing is what it comes down to really is played as a very negative, awful joke. And for Grand Blue, at least it's, it's treated as a genuine character trait that is very honest and very true to Ladiva's self. And, um, in Grand Blue, in Grand Blue Fantasy, actually, there is a conversation between Cagliostro and Ladiva where they talk about their, their mutual transness. And Cagliostro's like, you know, with the power of magic, I could give you a more feminine body. Like, this is super doable. And Ladiva's like, I appreciate that, but I, take a lot of pride in what I have worked to make mm-hmm. my body because again, Ladiva is a very large, very masculine wrestler who is very strong and like very bulky, like very bodybuilder type type yep. um, mask body set. And, and she's like, I've worked really hard to make my body the way it is. And I'm very proud of my body as I'm it is, but I thank you for the offer. Exactly. That's exactly what it is. It's really great. Um, it's actually super wholesome. I, I also was kind of keyed into this, um, but not entirely. Bilal being bisexual. I like mm. I knew it, but I also was like, is he? <laughs> um, but I guess that's more or less confirmed. He is attracted to uh, basically mm. everyone. Excuse me. Um, that's more I, pansexual than not. No, true. no, not necessarily. Yeah, yeah. Not necessarily. Um, <laughs> that's yeah. just that's just my conception of pansexuality for myself. <laughs> that's a, that's a whole episode on its own. Yeah, it is. Uh, <laughs> but I believe I've said this before on um, other sh- uh, shows where we highlight our marginalized gamers and marginalized communities. Representation matters, right? It mm-hmm. matters to be able to kind of see yourself, see your identity shown in a way that is maybe true to life, but also maybe comforting, but also maybe like not exactly your way of presenting. Um, You know, it's... It's nice to be able to point to something in media and know that people are at least thinking about you or that there's someone like you out there who wanted to make sure that they were represented um, or that someone was thinking of a friend, right? And decided, you know, my friend is really cool and does this really nice thing. I'm going to mm. put them in this video game. Um and varying degrees upon which uh, these uh, people show up in video games. So, representation matters, and we love it. We love to see it in our fighting games, especially. Hell yeah. <laughs> um, all right. So, on to a, a quick mention about some actual video game news. Oh, yeah. Because, as I said last week... There's this weird thing that happens between Game Month and uh, games. Uh, you know, we get a lot of Pride stuff happening, but we also get a whole lot of game showcases happening. Yeah, so, this is usually when about when E3 would happen yes. now or like early July, but there's no E3 this year. So instead, Summer Games Fest is filling the void. Yes, and Summer Games Fest gave us a look at a whole lot of games uh, at 3 p.m. on June 9th. Um, also, we got a look at some Devolver Digital games yeah. and Devolver Direct's uh, showcase 
um, also on June 9th later in the evening. So Shooter 51 ended video games, finally. <laughs> rather than uh, rehash what we saw, uh, a look at The Last of Us and the Callisto Protocol World, uh, uh, Modern Warfare 2, Midnight Suns, and a whole lot of other things. What are we excited about, folks? Street Fighter 6. Yeah? Guy looks cool. Guy does look cool. He looks great cool with a beard. I realized that after playing Leo so much, I probably should just embrace the fact that I'm a charge character player. Oh, gross. I mean, Guile's got a flash kick and a sonic boom. Leo's got a flash kick and a sonic boom. I think I just have to play charge characters. Gross. (laughs) I hate that you said this, but you're probably right. Yeah. I mean, it makes the most sense, right? (laughs) The only difference is Guile is known for being like a super defensive style character Mm -hmm. as opposed to Leo, who's very go-in. So... I'm gonna. I might actually have to learn how to play a fighting game, yeah, which yeah. is which is one side of that. <laughs> Marty, what are you excited about? So, Witchfire has my attention. I am not the kind of gay that can Ooh. aim, but I think I will learn for this because I really like its aesthetic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, outside of that, I'm like I said before. Uh, simulation games are my happy place. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Baron Breakfast immediately. Oh sold yeah. The moment I watched the the trailer had me. The moment I saw that bear running around, like, doing repairs on the house, I was just like, this is the game for me. Mm-hmm. This is also why I aspired to be, eventually, a bear that uh, <laughs> runs a bed and breakfast. Fixes houses, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I also... I don't think I can get further than Cub. <laughs> <laughs> so, I start this off by saying... Holy crap! There was a lot of space horror for some there reason was. in the in this in the summer games fest. There was a fest. lot of space. And there were like there were like four different space horror games. I think that got showcased. Yeah, um, I'm still yeah the Callisto oh. Protocol, which is one I'm really excited about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, made by the team, a bunch of people that came off of um, Dead Space mm-hmm. and a very similar vibe. I'm personally very excited about Callisto Protocol. The funny thing is, I've talked about this on the show before, I'm not really into horror games generally, but horror games where you're given a lot of agency and are, like, more action-packed, those tend to be more yes. my jam. So, Great. Resi 7, Resi 8, Dead Space 1 and 2, I didn't play 3 for reasons, and now Callisto Protocol seems like it's gonna be right in my sights for the kind yeah, of horror yeah. game that I enjoy. For sure, I mm-hmm. agree. I I personally am a horror gay, as they say. Ah. Um, and if I were streaming, I would definitely probably stream like <laughs> only horror games. Um, but I am, uh, yeah, I'm super excited for Callisto Protocol, despite how um gory it looks. Um, and also an interesting kind of Troy Baker thing coming out. Um, <laughs> Which one? Fort Solace. Um, I think that one's really interesting. Um. Uh, it looks like it's kind of a, n- not so much a traditional horror, but like maybe a you versus um, a mastermind type of horror yeah. game, which I'm super into. That's the one that looks like it's like set on Mars, right? Yeah. Um, there is the uh, other um, rhythm shooter, uh, Metal Hellsinger, which I yeah really yeah yeah. Into. Um, very similar to um, BPM bullets per minute yes. kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot less stylized than BPM was. BPM had a super aggressive like filtering and dithering type effects yes. on it, and it's not so much that. Um, 
that game actually reminds me a lot of a game that Harmonix was working on. Yes. Uh, I can't I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head, unfortunately, but it was an arena shooter that they were working on, which was also a rhythm shooter. Uh, never got out of Alpha, unfortunately, but I did get to play it for like three for like a month when yeah. they were they were publicly showing it. Uh, I can't remember it off the top. Was it? No, it wasn't Autica. Harmonix shooter game. What was it? Chroma. Chroma. That was the mm. one. I, uh, I'm glad, I'm sad that game never ended up coming out, but it was cool. And I'm glad that other games have finally taken up the mantle. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that game looks super cool. Maybe someday. Um, American Arcadia is, uh, super my jam as well. Just the aesthetics of it. Um, yeah. It looks really good. How about um, Goat Simulator 3? <laughs> I'm I'm upset with Goat Simulator 3 because they made me think it was a Dead Space or excuse me, a, a Dead Island. Yeah, 2. I got I got super excited about Dead Island 2. We talked about Dead Island 2 becoming the fucking Duke Nukem Forever yeah, of I make, this generation. We make we basically make fun of Dead Island 2 at some point um on this podcast, like once a year at least. Yeah, we we have to bring it up. <laughs> and I got duped. I was super duped. Um, and, uh, it, it, by I the way, bewildered. Go ahead. I was bewildered on two levels: one that there was a goat simulator, two, and two that someone in the chat guessed goat simulator as just like a throwaway guest before the goats appeared. The guy well, was like lacing up his shoes or so, whatever, and so I was just like, "I bet this is goat simulator." That's I need, so funny. I need to, I need to provide you some critical information. There is no goat simulator two. The game does not exist. Yeah. Okay. They skipped right to Goat Simulator 3. Absolute gaslight. <laughs> they gaslit, gate kept, girl bossed us. I no, can't it's, believe it. It's so fucking funny. Like, the moment Goat Simulator 3 was announced, I was like, there was not a second there one. Was not a <laughs> I know there would have been a second one. Um, this is a fun Paul Henderson trivia fact. One of the most popular successful streams that I ever had on twitch.tv forward slash bonnie777. Don't forget to follow and subscribe. Um, was me playing Goat Simulator the day it came out. For some reason, inexplicably, when I streamed Goat Simulator, I got like 250 viewers watching People me. People were really into that game. It was so weird. It was completely out of nowhere. Like, I was, I literally, I bought it the moment it came out. I started streaming it and just 250 people showed up. And I was, it was both the most bewildering, most fun, and most disappointing stream of my life. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm really fucking excited about Neon White. Yeah, that um, was my next one. Neon White has been a game that keeps showing up at like different showcases like over the past year. And each time I've seen it, like the first time I saw it, I was kind of like, eh, okay. And the more they show of it, the more excited I get about it. And then yeah. finally they showed it again this time. And I was like, all right, I'm super fucking in. They got Steve Bloom as the lead yes. actor. I assume, I don't think that's actually been announced, but if that's not Steve Bloom, I'm going to eat my fucking hat. It's a really good impersonation. <laughs> it's a really good impersonation. <laughs> and um, then they announce it's coming out next week. And I just like, well, I guess I'm buying a video game next week. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it looks real good. I don't know if I should get it for the Switch or the PC, but I'm probably gonna get it for the Switch so I can play it in bed. Yeah, I'm a it sleepy feels boy. Like that kind of game. All right. Well, any any last excitements? Um, Development uh, Digital did have a really yeah. cool game that I thought of, uh, or rather, that I thought was like extremely my jam, uh, called Skate Story. Yeah, uh, you are a demon in the underworld made of glass and pain. Uh, and you have to skate. <laughs> you have to skate to the moon and swallow it, and then you shall be freed. Fuck, that's so metal. It's, Makes sense. It's like it. 
it does and also it doesn't and it that's just fine <laughs> like just that log line alone it's just you're a demon made out of glass and pain and yet yeah. you must skate skate to the moon and swallow it and you shall be free that is it's, the sickest two sentences that have ever been put next to each yep, other it's very beautiful <laughs> and also visually it looks fucking, yeah it's super good uh kind of gives me uh thumper vibes almost mm. um like a less abstract thumper if, if that makes sense maybe played thumper is a really cool rhythm game that came out a couple years ago um just like that game also the plucky squire which looks fantastic um yeah. that was the game where you it starts out in a storybook and it's like a two-dimensional top-down game and then you actually find a way to escape the storybook and it becomes a 3d adventure game and the art style and that is just uh, it's so good mm-hmm. it looks adorable i'm really excited to see what that ends up being about looks good Shout out to Devolver Digital, always putting out interesting games. And thanks, Mecha Suda Fifty One, for ending video games forever. We're finally free. <laughs> um, alrighty. So, do we need to do recommendations? We kind of did. That. I kind of do want to do recommendations actually, because okay. I wanted to. I wanted to talk a little bit more about something specific in Magic. That's fair. So, yeah, as we move along toward the end of the show, we always ask that you give our recommendation, our listeners, a recommendation. Which game should they be playing or be on the lookout for, Marty? Oh gosh, me first. Um, hmm. if you need time to think, I can talk as well. I'll say from a TTR, this isn't a game that's like on the lookout. This is one that's near and dear to my heart. Um, and it's fantastic. Ironically, because I haven't played in like a year, <laughs> but it was, there's a TTRPG that I definitely re- recommend giving a shot. It's called Masks. I'm not a superhero oh. person, but I, as a child, I loved Teen Titans. I loved Young Justice. I still do the latter. Mm. But it's a story about coming, it's a coming of age story with like mm. a superhero backdrop. You can either write it as like teenagers or young adults. And I feel like it was really cathartic playing because as a queer person who spent like all of high school and college pretending to be a straight white woman, um, I did not get to have the messiness of being trans and figuring myself out and coming to terms with my identity. And I've never played a game before that really as like a mechanic the like societal pressure peer pressure uh role model expectations shape your stats and your stats fluctuate over the course of a game as you try to figure out who you are it's a very fun game to play especially with a group of queer people nice it's so easy to play too because it's just 2d6s and there's so little to track there's a friend of mine who um actually i think she does a podcast hold on let me you know what? I'll 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 find it later. I can talk about it some other time. But um, she she does a podcast where she where they play masks and it's very messy and very queer and they have a very good time doing it. Yes, it's a great backdrop for a queer story. Mm. Paul, what do you got? So um, I think I suggested playing Magic: The Gathering Arena last week. And to follow up on that, this week, um, I want to make some recommendations about Paper Magic, because um, I, like I said earlier, I've been playing more Paper Magic myself. Um, if you are not interested in playing video game magic, or you have been playing video game magic, and you want to branch out into the world of, of slinging cards, um, I have two recommendations for how you should do this. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the first is the most popular format of Magic at the at this moment, Commander, which is a you get a hundred card pile of singletons, unique cards except for basic lands, and you have or you have a ninety nine card pile, and you have a single legendary creature who is your commander. That commander is always on the board in the command zone. You can summon it at any time. Does not go in your hand unless you want it to, and um, that is sort of the go-to beer and peanuts format. Instead of being a 1v1 game, Magic is a multiplayer game in this instance, usually usually played in groups of four. It's very fun. It's very conversational. Everybody sort of chills, drinks and eats, and bees marries, and has a good time. The other one I want to suggest, and this is one that I did not expect to like myself or be interested in. I'm going to be doing it a lot more in the future, I think. Um, I have suddenly gotten very interested in drafting Magic. Um, if you're not familiar with how drafting works in Magic the Gathering, essentially everybody at the table, which is a group of eight usually, um, has three packs that are sealed. Nobody has opened them before. You don't know what cards are in them. You take, you open up one of the packs, you look at the 15 cards that you have, you grab one of those cards, usually the rare for the pack, but not always necessarily. And then you take those 14 cards that are not the ones that you selected, you pass them to your left, you get the next um, set of 14 cards from the person on your right, and you go through this process until you've depleted the entire pack around the table. You open up the next pack, you go again, you do this three times, and then after that you take your um, collection of, I think you get 60 cards total from this, and uh, you build a deck out of it, and you play against your friends, and at the end of it you get to take those cards home. Those are yours now. Wow. It's very fun. It's a very cool way to build your collection, especially if you're interested in collecting a specific set for Magic. And um, it's also just a fun way to play with cards that you might not otherwise get to play with. Um, Also, another variation of that, if you're not interested in doing Sealed, is Cube. If you have a pretty good collection or you know somebody has a pretty good collection, you can just grab a collection of like 200 or so cards, put them in the piles together, randomly assorted, and draft with them that way. And that's another way you can draft without having to buy a bunch of packs if you've already got cards. So yeah, uh, Commander and Draft, two fun and interesting, unique ways to play Magic the Gathering beyond the traditional constructed formats, and I think are a very good time. Beautiful, 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 beautiful. I'm gonna try to rush through this. Um, Drag it out. I, do I have a recommendation? <laughs> you know what? Um, play. Oh God, I don't want to recommend V Rising again. Yeah, why not? V Rising is a lot of fun, though. If you can get a server started with your friends, I definitely recommend it. You can do some really fun stuff with castles, create some really cool things. Um, have fun taking down some weird boss uh, fights and and progressing together. It's a lot of fun. It's like Valheim, except you are a vampire, not a Viking. Different V word. Listen, Jace, I recommended Magic two weeks ago. I'm probably <laughs> going to recommend Magic again next week. I'm going to be honest. I need to play more games. <laughs> <laughs> um, and finally, of course, Marty, please let us know where we can find you on the internet if you wish to be found, and if you have anything else to plug. Oh gosh, um, I am kind of a cryptid on Twitter. I really <laughs> need to rebrand because, like, on just about every single platform, the handle Talaga T A L A I G A was available, mm. and it's what I've used since like my World of Warcraft days. And then for some reason, someone took it on Instagram and Twitter, so I'm like Talaga, but with like an underscore on Twitter. And I just think I need to come up with something new. 
But yeah, don't expect much out of me. I just show up on Twitter every six months to spit out D&D character art, and I disappear for six months. That's fine. We like, love it. the last week has been the longest, like, sustained streak of me making comments on things. <laughs> we love it. And once again, that handle on Twitter is... Taliga, T-A-L-A-I-G-A underscore. Beautiful. Paul. I, I yeah, thought I was too good for Taliga was taken, and <laughs> then was like, you know what, underscore is discreet. Yeah, yeah. It's got dignity to it. It's got dignity. Nice. <laughs> Paul, we at? Well, as always, you can find me at Paul's Rock and Twit. I am currently locked down for reasons. Really? However, um, if you send me a friend request, I will more than likely accept it. Um, also, you can find me at Paul's Work and Twit if you want to see me talk about more work, um, Hearthstone, Blizzard, working adjacent things, although I don't talk about it that much. Just, you know, it happens. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, you can find me over at twitch.tv forward slash Bobby 77 where um, I have been kind of playing a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh! lately of all things. Oh yeah, I've been playing Yu-Gi-Oh! Master Duel, or at least least trying to. I haven't actually played any games yet. I've mostly just been looking at the cards. But um, I might actually (laughs) play the game soon. Uh, So yeah, uh, TwitchLTV forward slash Bonnie77 and those two Twitter accounts. Super duper. I don't think I said this earlier, but I play Nagoriyuki on Guilty Gear. Um, Nice. Alright, as always, you can find me at Comedies Gaming (laughs) on Twitter. And remember, you can find the weekly cooldown as well on Twitter at WK Cooldown. Be sure to visit the weekly cooldown Facebook page. Visit WKCooldown.com for more news and other episodes. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Um, you know what else you can do on Apple Podcasts? Uh, hit the follow button. If you don't want to do it there, hit it on Spotify. If you don't want to do it there, pick the damn thing of your choice and hit the follow <laughs> damn button. Shoot. Uh, be sure to check out the l- links in the description, including, of course, our humble bundle for this week. And remember, you can support your favorite charities and support the show. Our logo and art is done by the aforementioned Corgian of Doghouse Esports. Follow Doghouse Corgian on Twitter. D-O-G-H-O-U-S-E-C-O-R-G-I-A-N. That's Doghouse Corgian on Twitter. Our intro music is done by Riki. Find Riki on Twitter at dog underscore noise. D-O-G underscore N-O-I-S-E. Two dogs on this show. That's all for the weekly cooldown. I'm Kami Jace. I'm Paul. I think I might be developing a problem. Henderson. Yeah, I'm Marty. <laughs> and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>